new pod stronger. Take it away, Dave. Look at these acoustics <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. We bought a mic. Bought a mic. And there's no echo. And there's no dog walking around. And no one's opening the fridge. I miss the ambience. High quality. Bought by we. Wow. High fidelity this week. And from every week now on. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. The show where we give you a quite uh, eclectic variety of topics ranging from TV to movies and everything in between. So much variety. Whoa. I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. Drew Dietzen, what's up? What's good? What's popping? And I'm uh, this week, I do want to say that I am Hoodie Drew. Uh, Whoa, he's back. So Fall weather is here. Yeah, you may remember if you like basketball last year, Hoodie Mellow was a thing. <laughs> uh, Carmelo Anthony was seen practicing in a hoodie, and everyone's like, yo, he's going off in that hoodie. Like, Hoodie Mellow is different. He's going to be back this year. And then he was just mostly the same. Even actually, worse. Actually, he was worse. He was yeah. worse. Than, that's, that's the energy I'm bringing today. It looks different, but it's actually just worse. Okay. That's right. that's my performance for the day. Also, it looks like you've have some '80s female 5K runners on it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're got male a and female. Authentic New York City Parks and Recreation nice. uh, hoodie Beautiful. from New York City from a thrift store. No, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This was like seven hundred dollars. Oh shit! That sounds about. That's right. what they wear up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was fashion week. So no review today, but we still have plenty to talk about including the return of our highly uh you know anticipated and just hard it's on controversial recast segment i mean a lot of people like studios are emailing us being like hey guys you have to stop this you have too good of ideas and they're costing us money <laughs> oh yeah because people are like well if they're like if we bought a mic came why up with isn't this, donald glover jim halpert yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. So we're doing SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not recasting the people who drew the cartoon. So it's still going to look the same. That would be really That would be weird. awesome. Okay. I'm going to have. I want the crew from Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. I'm drafting redo. Butch Hartman <laughs> from uh, Danny Phantom and Fairly Odd Parents. Um, but yeah, that that is. This was my idea. I do want to give myself <laughs> credit. We are doing the SpongeBob recast finally. Um, and yeah, I do mostly want to do it because I do have the best SpongeBob choice. Yeah, you already spoiled that on a, yeah. on an earlier app. Yeah, I think you yeah. diehards uh, can remember back. I, I think I did. But yeah, it's a, it's a good week. It's a good week. It's cold out, man. For it's, Florida it's like standards. 72 degrees outside. I know. Everybody keeps coming up to me and they're like, brr, it's cold. I'm like, it's fucking nice outside. What are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it feels good, man. It feels nice. There's a breeze. Don't, is that what you mean by that? It's cold. Yeah, no. Don't get frostbite out there. Yeah. What I mean by it's cold is I, I bought this hoodie four months ago and I haven't been able to wear it and it's late October. So now like, you can wear it with the sleeves rolled up. Yeah. Not all and the yeah, way down, yeah, but. I'm sweating a little bit, but I'm not sweating a lot and that's what's important. And uh, yeah, let's, let's stop talking about actual real life that's lame let's get into the news um with the end of filmstruck this this is really sad so nobody knows what filmstruck is and that's why it's ending it's a streaming service dedicated to classic movies indies 
and most notably the Criterion Collection. Yeah, yes. um, it was a streaming thing for uh, Criterion, and then a lot of like uh, things that you see on like uh, Turner Classic mm-hmm. Movie Channel. Yeah, but um, yeah, nobody used it. It's <laughs> actually right before this got announced. I was uh, I I've been taking the master class with uh, Martin Scorsese just in my free time, and one of the nice. things that he's on there is Scorsese's like a big advocate. He's just like guys like use Filmstruck, you can find a bunch of these like classic like. 30s through the 50s early 60s movies on there it's a good use for all this thing i was like you know what i'm gonna renew my filmstruck subscription and then i like a day later i got an email that filmstruck was shutting down a month from tomorrow i think uh, so technically i still have time i could get on there if i start right now i might be able to get through everything Oh, That's without stopping? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I kind of want to hop on and try to take advantage of this last month and maybe catch up on some some movies because the the, the biggest takeaway from this, the, the thing that's saddest to me is that back in the day, you had a physical film that had to be stored in a warehouse. And that's where most of these classic movies were. You know, if you had, like Marty Scorsese, he's one of those guys that just owns like rolls and rolls and rolls of fucking old movies that he just lends out to art house theaters in LA and New York. And a lot of these classic movies, that's, that's where it stopped. Some of them maybe got transferred to DVD and then Blu-ray and then eventually digitized. But a lot of them, you know, if, if there's nothing like Filmstruck to kind of present them to the public in some way, Mm -hmm. they're just lost and gone. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense that this wouldn't uh, have legs because, I mean, A, the, you know, obviously the demographic is decently narrow uh, as far as people who would pay more, you know, pay a monthly rate to have these movies because I think a lot of film buffs have physical media. Like, they, they're, yeah. this is the same demographic that is like you guys and like buys Blu rays all the time. Well, if anything, that Venn this diagram is just a circle. Yeah, but yeah. If anything, this is more of an incentive to invest in physical media because they're not going to come to my house and be like, oh, well, here, I got to take it <laughs> the back. Criterion police are going to bust down your door. Oh, no. like, God, these are all mine now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sad, but, uh, it, there is a bit of a streaming uh, boom happening, and it has proven in a couple of cases it has proven to be a bit of a bubble, not a real thing. Uh, the other one that I'm most sad about is CISO. Yeah. Uh, oh shit. Yeah. It was. Yeah. About it was. It was a comedy streaming platform. They had original content. Uh, it was, was. Was it funded by NBC? Yeah, it was funded by NBC, and it was heavily affiliated with UCB, which is the. It's the yeah the improv the international the national improv uh, company founded by like Amy Poehler and several mm-hmm. others that basically creates like most of the funny people that we like um, and so it had original content starring like people that came straight out of UCB and are going to be famous um, and it had they had access to Monty Python stuff before Netflix did because Netflix has all that stuff now they had every SNL ever which was a big selling point for me because I'd always wanted to go back and be able to watch like 1970s, 1980s uh, casts. Uh, And it was great. Like they had so much. They had really cool movie selection and it lasted probably like a year and a half. Yeah, tops. Yeah, Um, which is sad, but it makes sense because that is a narrow, again, a very narrow demographic. Yeah, it was mainly just for all those CBB uh, Scott Ackerman heads. Yeah, it was. It was like specific like fans of like improv almost because you're seeing people that are 
it, it basically the stars of all these shows were like regulars on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. Yeah, yeah what was a bajillion dollar yeah. uh, properties. Yeah, that was a show created by Scott Ackerman's. So wife. that show's <laughs> dead now because yeah, season being dead. Yeah, it got a few seasons in actually. Um, but yeah, it is dead now. And like, there was like a little campaign to like, you know, for another network to pick it up, but they were probably all like, oh, cool. Yeah. Just show us the numbers of how many people were watching it. And like seven people had CISO. So even if all seven of us watched it, (laughs) it wasn't enough. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, well, that sucks. No. Why would we pick that up? Yeah. See, I, I'm a little bit more optimistic for what's going to happen with the future of the Criterion channel, just because they don't have original content. The, the most things original that they do is like, um, like I think last year or so, like Damien Chazelle went on there and just like kind of talked about like his inspiration with movies and stuff Jazz. like that for like 15, 20 minutes. But like, that's it. It's not like they're producing original shows or anything like that. I know um, the people who created Filmstruck, I believe it was Turner um, and Warner Brothers. Yeah. So just because Filmstruck is dead, I'm still hoping that the Criterion Channel will just release their own streaming service. I mean, Filmstruck wasn't an expensive service either. It was like five bucks. Or it, was really? like, it was like Damn. eight bucks a month or something like that. But yeah, it was I just, less than ten. I just went on their site and they're not even accepting new uh accounts no, creation yeah like they're done it's, it's just, over it's sad i really hope that this finds a way just because buying the physical copy of criterion and really any old movie is like they're expensive like most just if you're going to buy a criterion like that it's usually at least 30 dollars. yeah you got to go for the sales yeah i mean that's why i think that ultimately i think what has to happen or what i think should happen is that a lot of these should a lot of these movies should be preserved as like public domain free for all access like some sort of maybe uh either private or or public government initiative to like make these classic films public yeah that's not gonna happen though (laughs) yeah i mean maybe if uh the world changes and gets a lot cooler about a lot more stuff then that'll happen but the other the other side of this is that you know you just said warner was in charge of uh, mm-hmm. starting up Filmstruck. I think what's happening here is that all of these companies, they are kind of reining everything back in to try to stronghold what they own and not license it out to other properties. It might be, yeah, it might also be a concern with this whole Disney uh, streaming service opening up and everything yep. else. Everyone's reacting to that. I think that Warner was just butthurt because Criterion was like, no, we're not turning Justice League into a Criterion movie. Like, get off of it. And then they're like, all right, well, yeah, yeah Filmstruck <laughs> is dead now. <laughs> the The larger question, because in addition to the, the narrow demographic issue with these services, the other question it raises is how many services are we going to pay for how many monthly streaming it's services? it's gonna be the new cable we're just gonna yeah. pay for the channels that we want yeah it's just yeah because i mean more and more are popping up disney is coming up with one there's cbs all access now like it, there are only going to be more disney's gonna steamroll though because like who's not gonna pay yeah. for star wars marvel and yeah Pixar? so that would put i like i have hulu i have netflix i'm sure you guys do too yeah uh, there was a time where I was like, I'm never going to get Hulu. I'm fine with Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then Hulu got more stuff. And as and now those same networks are realizing, oh, we need to we need to take all our shit and put it like in our own place. So Disney's doing that. So it's going to be three. Are you guys going to go to four? Like wh- four would be like tops. I mean, because what, then- what would it take to get you to four? Well, I, I'm basically already at four because Amazon Prime. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm talking about stream. Well, I guess they do yeah, have streaming. streaming. Yeah. Yeah, Fuck, man. Original content. I mean, yeah, you're right. 
it's it's a lot of stuff. I mean, if Netflix keeps up with all these cancellations, then they might be looking yeah. at me to oh, the cancellation. And uh, Apple. Okay. That was, that was oh, yeah. Oh, we're moving on. <laughs> no, but Apple's yeah. going to launch their, their Apple's put, yeah. yeah, they're putting a billion dollars into content. And yeah. they have some shit that I want to watch in development right now, like the Kumail show. Um, and I think they're going to uh, find a way to like beam everything to the devices that everyone already has. It's just like they'll do like their new the U two album that came out. It's just like, well, you already have it on your phone. Yeah, so it's yeah. gonna be like that. Whether you like it or not, it's there. <laughs> well, you know, when you put when you put Amazon in that context, it makes so much sense that they own the world right now. Oh yeah. Like it's almost scary. It's it's, kinda, it's, it's evil. It's like if Netflix bit. was like, hey, do you also want toilet paper and like <laughs> <laughs> and like deodorant and like a, a couch? <laughs> like it's insane. Yeah. Speaking of Netflix, though, they just canceled two of my favorite shows ever. My favorites, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. No. No. Yes. What? So they canceled these because uh, they suck. No, yeah. I don't I don't think it's because of that. Um, I don't know about these shows in particular, but they also did cancel American Vandal. Yeah, that's the one that hurt. That's a big one. And I, just, I don't understand. Well, that. the reasoning for American Vandal is that and possibly these other shows is they are moving away from hosting other studios shows because American Vandal was actually made by CBS studios, mm -hmm. but shopped to Netflix because they made that knowing that that was not going to be a CBS show. Obviously it was yeah. a smart move, but maybe CBS takes it to all access if they're smart. Which would make sense if they're trying to get more people yeah. to want to subscribe to All Access. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's the type of show that I do not think it's over. I think that it's just not going to be on Netflix anymore, which does totally suck because I don't want to pay for All Access. Um, but yeah, th this is the move Netflix is making. They're canceling a lot of stuff because it's not made on their lot in Hollywood. It's made somewhere else. Well, isn't... I mean, the... Defender shows are Marvel Studios, or I mean uh, Netflix Studios. Yeah, yeah. So if yeah. those are, so those just, then they're just bad. Yeah, I mean, I I've actually heard pretty decent things about Daredevil season three, which I'm not surprised. Daredevil has always been like the most consistent. I watched the, the first episode. It was it was good, but I I was kind of pissed off because I didn't watch the Defenders. And so I was like really lost as to where the story was oh, at. Did it really like build up that much? Yeah. I think that the like it's just once again it's thirteen hours of television yeah. to watch, and you know that like at least at the bare minimum, like three of those hours are going to be expendable. It's, Probably closer to like six, yeah, seven of those hours. The, I mean, those shows just don't work for me. I, I've said it before. I I really tried Daredevil season one to be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. But I, my city, <laughs> I think it's because uh, I read this take somewhere else and I was like, oh, that's sometimes you need to read someone else's opinion to realize that it's your own opinion. Mm -hmm. Like and it was someone being like, yeah, I didn't I didn't really read the comics growing up. So like the melodrama of being a superhero doesn't work for me. And yeah. I think that's me like with the Marvel movies. I only like the, the funny ones mm -hmm. because that's what I get out of them. I don't and f I get a humor and good action. The the drama of being this like supreme overlord being is I it's not something I'm able to empathize with just because probably because I didn't as a child, you know. Yeah, and I think um it this is just showing the cracks in the whole Marvel uh ambition of this whole project because I think when they first announced these shows, people thought that they were gonna be tied to the movies, you know, that we were gonna see 
Daredevil pop up in Avengers, you know, in, in a minor role or not, and be able to to follow the cohesion of all of that. And this is just showing that that's, even if it was intended at some point, it's never going to happen now. And, you know, even if they were trying to have their own little bubble Netflix universe, I I think that that's kind of coming to a close at Def- this point. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, who cares? Like, yeah. <laughs> the, if you're going to compare the amount of people that watch the Marvel movies to the amount of people that watch the Marvel Netflix shows, like, yeah. it's not even, it's it's like a fucking grain yeah. of sand. And it's the nothing. thing is, these shows, like, still did well. Yeah, yeah. They, they used to, or I don't know about... Um, I think that they're trending downwards. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. The, well, that's time. the problem is, critically, they completely lost critics. They started off, I mean... Jessica Daredevil Jones. season one and Jessica Jones season one, which is my favorite season of any uh, Netflix Marvel show. Um, both of those were good. Luke Cage when it came out was pretty good, but I feel like Mahershala. Iron Fist, Iron Fist slash Daredevil season two was whenever it just kind of started to take yeah. a dip. Yeah, they lost critics and then they also lost audience, which Netflix doesn't care. Notably, if if they lose critics, that's fine with them. Do Do you guys think that Netflix has some sort of uh, big shift that they're prepping for with all this like well, i mean they are i don't not so much on the tv side but i mean at least like for films they're getting like notable directors like scorsese has a film coming the irishman out. yeah he has the irishman coming out on netflix damien chazelle is working on a project for netflix i feel like they've always gone for this audience uh and populist approach to how they want to put their stuff out there um, which is why they put out so much garbage every single yeah. week, just because they're like, <laughs> filler. well, this is going to meet one demographic, and one demographic is going to like it, so we yeah. have to put that out there. Like They do all this kind of stuff making these movies that are marketed towards like 13 to 15-year-old girls, which is like an untapped market, and it's genius move by them, even if the content that they're putting out is hot garbage. Um, here's the Here's the conspiracy theory that I just came up with. So, I don't know exactly who has the power in the situation, but cl- like clearly, the Marvel content hub is about to be Disney streaming service, right? Yeah, it's like they're cleaning. So they're cleaning house. Well, so so if Disney had the leverage to take those shows, why wouldn't Netflix just cancel them now so that those shows are now damaged goods? Even if even if they're brought back on Disney's thing, it's like, oh, wasn't that canceled? Yeah. Oh, it's back now. Okay, I guess. Just the public opinion of it. Yeah, it's like a Machiavellian uh, oh Netflix God. move. Jeez, that I could buy that. That's what Bam conspiracy Cannon. Ju- conspiracy <laughs> drew over here. I think that's I think that's good. Yeah, I could <laughs> I could totally buy that. I mean, Netflix. I don't know. I think that they. I kind of want to believe that they have some sort of grand plan, but they just canceled American Vandal, which is one of their best shows. So how can you turn around and 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 do that when, you know, you have this. Uh, I I think American Vandal is like, uh, pro. If I were Netflix head honcho, that would be like one of my prized possessions. Yeah, right I mean there. it's like BoJack. Yeah, American Vandal, and they just got rid of it. So. Yeah, but a, a lot less people watch American Vandal than BoJack. They plug BoJack like crazy. It's always BoJack on the front plays page. Plays on Comedy Central. Now. Yeah, like, like it's BoJack has yeah, it's kind of transcended Netflix in a lot of ways. Uh, and American Vandal, the viewership is not quite on that level. Because it is, it's more niche in general. It's hard to get into because at first you don't quite get what you're seeing. 
Uh, you have to know the conventions of true crime storytelling to understand, to fully like laugh at what they're doing yeah. in a way. Um, you got to be a fan of like a couple different genres. Yeah. And then, and then, like I said, the, the move is mostly just because they want to, they want their Netflix to be all Netflix made shows because they can see, oh, well, CBS is doing their own thing and mm-hmm. Disney's doing their own thing. Like Netflix should just be their own thing. Also, they're building a huge production studio in New Mexico. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. It's like this giant, like multi billion dollar project to just. Yeah, go they, in. they have to yeah. because if like the networks really go balls out and they like in a couple of years, if Netflix loses a bit of the market share and then these networks pull like stalwarts of Netflix, like The Office or Friends or whatever, which is probably going to yeah, happen. Exactly. So once that gets pulled, like Netflix is at a severe disadvantage because they do not have decades of backlog to go to. So they need to be making shit right now. Like all their own shit, even to, if it's bad. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that sounds like the best thing. That's really like, all that they can do at this point. Yeah, it's they f- probably fear that that is that's not like an if it happens, it's a win. Yeah, exactly. Them, so. It's it's a future uh, forward move. It's smart technically, but it is sad that we're losing good stuff. Yeah. But you know, right. it happens. All right, let's move on to a quick little um, video game talk. Yeah. So, um, I. Uh, Ernest and I just bought Red Dead Redemption, but we're going to save that for next week because it took, like, what, like, 72 hours to download onto a mm-hmm. PS4, Yeah, basically. So, um, I played a little bit of that. That game's great. Can't wait to talk it more about that next gorgeous. week. It looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely incredible. stunning. I'm going to go ahead and Ugh. give my... This is my hot take. I'm going to go ahead and give it right now. I'll give you a little sneak peek of my review next week. <laughs> if Red Dead Redemption 1 is Breaking Bad... Red Dead Redemption 2 is Better Call Saul. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Hell I will die on. So, <laughs> so Spider-Man. You can't say that, Hunter. <laughs> Spider-Man uh, PS4 is, uh, well, I'll say, spoiler alert, if you haven't beat the game and yeah, you're trying I wanna, to. We, I want to talk about spoilers yeah. for this. And if you don't line. care, just keep listening, but we're going to talk details. But Spider-Man PS4 is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. So I I originally, like, I was playing it, and I was hoping that this would be a hotter take, but it seems like a lot of people are in agreement that this is just, it's the best Spider-Man yeah. story. Like, it's just incredible. The There's writing. so many misdirections. The slow burns that you get with certain character developments, it is it is just delightful. Yeah, so the main, the main track we're following here is, well, actually, I guess... There's two. There's everything with Martin Lee and his being this uh, classic Spider-Man bad guy where, uh, you know, Spider-Man is dealing with someone who's very powerful, but his he's actually involved in Peter Parker's life. And there's all this intertwining involved with Aunt May working at this uh, homeless shelter. Uh, And it, you know, perfect classic Spider-Man ways the two storylines just keep intertwining with each other and it's so hard to be spider-man and peter parker at the same time and then you have doc ock and basically the creation of doc ock with um otto octavius being this mentor father figure for peter and that's kind of like this these two driving factors in the story and then alongside that you have peter's relationship with uh mary jane and they're kind of in this on and off uh break up get back together type of mode and then miles morales 
as um this kind of not not like a almost like a little brother type figure for yeah, Peter. Yeah, he's like probably like 16, 17 yeah, or so. A Robin. He's like exactly. introduced. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's introduced into this story and like what's a really tragic scene that yeah. you're playing harrowing scene his dad gets fucking killed by martin lee and you like to sit there and watch it and you can't do anything to stop it it's like really sad to watch that and i think that this entire story with dr octavius is just wonderful because you really do sympathize with him and see where he's coming from and he it's this whole hatred that he builds up is all out of revenge and distaste for Norman Osborn. Yeah, because Osborn that they took fit in everything from Octavius. Yeah. Like everything that he had. They they fit in like so many crucial characters from the comics. Like you got um Kingpin, uh Fisk. Yeah. And Fisk like, is the very beginning of the movie or of the game. Yeah. Like, and and you game. have uh, you know, the creation of Doc Ock, and you have uh Norman Osborn as the mayor of of New York and it all fits perfectly and you get this real sense of this version of New York that's not quite like our world but still hearkening back to it and able to perfectly allude not just to the comics and the source material but to all the other movies that have come and the other ways that we've seen Spider-Man before like there's a there's a reference to every single one of Raimi's Spider-Man movies and to the Avengers movies even. Like the the score that you hear, the, the main theme, mm. is like this blend between the Avengers theme mm-hmm. and the Danny Elfman Spider-Man th- theme. And it's it's beautiful. And uh, I just, I think that they, they found a way to, um, oh wait, going back to my point about it feeling like our world, uh, Fisk is like a very Trump figure. And yeah, because you take this is in New York City, of yeah. course, and Trump Tower is Fisk Tower, and Norman Osborn is like a Michael Bloomberg figure. <laughs> uh, so they find ways to, oh, and JJ being like Alex Jones, essentially, <laughs> they find ways to like link it back to our world. Um, but again, it just feels very uh, close. It's not a deviation from the source material at all. Like you still get the Sinister Six in there, and you still get characters like Black Cat. And um, you you don't get Uncle Ben, but he still has a presence in the game, and it's just this. I'm glad that we didn't get Uncle Ben. Yeah, like we don't need we don't need to that. see Uncle Ben yeah. die eight years anymore. into being Spider Man. Perfect. Decision. And that's that's another thing that I love about this game is that um, I'm so glad that it's not just another story. Of it's like, oh, I'm Spider Man. I'm just this little boy. I don't I don't know how to use my powers yet. Like, <laughs> I'm a little boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little Spider Boy. Um. <laughs> Like, you have, like, fully mastered all of your abilities at this point, and you're able to just kind of... I mean, you can still tell the toll that it takes on you having to juggle between these two lives that you're doing. And this game nails P- Peter Parker. Yeah. Like, unlike... And the voice actor is amazing. Yeah. It's it's really cool. I They did a bunch of, like, really interesting things that I think paid off awesome. Um, like, for example, every uh, line of dialogue... I don't know if you've noticed this, but they do. They did two takes. They did a take if you're just like standing there talking, and they did an exasperated take in yeah. case like you're Spider-Man, and you're like talking, and you're swinging through like mm. through the 
buildings and everything yeah. else. Really cool choice that makes it feel more real. Yeah. And I also want to make sure we talk about kind of the, the tee off to the sequel, which is Norman Osborn. Uh, he has dedicated his life to studying the disease that killed his wife. Mm. And he finds out that his son, Harry, also has this disease. So he takes it upon himself to make sure that Harry also doesn't die just like his mom and his uh, wife did. And the whole game, you hear about Harry going off to Europe and going on a trip to Europe. And then when this there's this level where you play as Mary Jane and you break into Norman's house and you find out that Harry never went to Europe, that he went into this experimental care, which is, I think, didn't isn't it that it's the same treatment that basically gave Martin Lee his powers? Uh, essentially, yeah. Yeah, I think like that that's some sort of, of clinical trial going on there. And you find out at the very, very end of the game that Harry was in the penthouse all along right. in a vat with what looks like the alien symbiote, the venom symbiote. Yeah, the venom. That's crazy. <laughs> so Harry is uh, apparently going to be venom in the sequel. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like it's leading up to. It kind of seems so like cool. Norman is kind of, I mean, at this point he gets, he has to de- resign from his mayor role and you have to think that that's going to be set up for some kind of a Green Goblin. By the way, the setup of Norman is great. Yeah. Awesome character. Very sympathetic. When Otto like takes him and like tries to kill him, you're not like, yeah, get him. You're like, holy shit, like Otto's really evil and he's going to kill this man. Yeah. Because Norman's just trying to, I mean, he has some flawed logic, but he's just trying to save his son. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like the the thing is, it, I, the only, I feel like most of the characters are very well fleshed out. Realized. Um, with the exception of maybe some of the Sinister Six villains, just because they're very yeah. cartoony. It doesn't really matter. But Rhino's the, just over yeah. there just like, I will kiss you. <laughs> but the... um. The fights that we get with them are really cool. How they pair them together: Vulture with Electro, and uh, Rhino with Chameleon, and uh, Scorpion. Oh, Scorpion! That's yeah. right. Yeah, I thought that was that was. Yeah, really no, well done. it was cool because it's like two different kind of fighting styles that you have to do with them. Yeah, um, you get the trip sequence. Spider-Man's tripping out. Those are yeah. That was that, <laughs> that was, was wild. That time. was really well done. Um, you're like hallucinating. The, uh, Shit's like flying. The boss sequences were fun, um, but I didn't find them nearly as entertaining as whenever you do these uh, these hideout um, stronghold missions that you have to do where you basically you go through and then there's just these waves of villains that are coming at you. The Silver and, Sable ones? Yeah. The, well, the Sable ones were those definitely Those are so the most challenging. Difficult. Yeah. And I, those I found to be the most fun. But even just like the Fisk hideouts, just like going mm-hmm. in there and just like beating up bad guys. And Yeah, there's a variety all of different these, things to do. And I like that they have these different challenge tokens that you can earn by like fighting off people different ways because there will be one where it's just like, oh, kill people. 10 people like with stealth attacks so then you just like sneak around and then there's other stuff where it's like electrocute 15 people at once and you're like okay so it like it it adds to your playing experience that you're being even if you wouldn't normally think to do these things it's tipping you in the right direction to enjoy all these different facets of the combat System. What did you think of the very end of the game? I I, I found it the very emotional. The mid credits and the post credits well, scene. Well, okay. Well, first you get the moment where Spider Man beats Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. It's so emotional to to see this 
final confrontation where Doc Ock is just like splayed out, like basically completely useless without his arms because that's that's why he built them because his body is deteriorating mm-hmm. so he can't move around if his big mechanical arms don't work and right. he's, he looks very he's like weak. basically going paralyzed he looks very weak and he's still just trying to manipulate peter you you don't know for sure if the arms if if the the arms were like actually messing with his head or if he was really just going a little uh insane and and you see that hurt on peter's face and it's just this moment where he's like you you were my mentor like like i looked up to you and now it's like you've become this monster and i just found that really really emotional yeah no i definitely like this game made me tear up yeah like, multiple times then throughout the it the scene after is yeah and then <laughs> Oh man, that scene really got to me. Aunt, you have to like watch Aunt May die. Yeah, and it's fucking rough. It's it's just it's really it's well real, directed because you see him. He has the cure right there, but he has to save the cure in order to save the city. The whole and, city. I mean, Spider Man is always about the greater good, mm-hmm. even if it means sacrificing your own personal self or people in your own life. It's all about the greater good for society. By the way, I really liked how they made the city look throughout as the mis- as the story progressed. Mm-hmm. You could see that people were like not doing okay. The city was like yeah. there was like smoke coming out of places and like yeah, people you, living on the like streets. If you're just like walking on the yeah, if you're just walking down the street like as the game progresses, uh, when there's like this big gas bomb that goes off, you can see people on the streets like coughing and shit. Like it's like yeah really uh, you can just tell how much thought went into making of this game and then I also loved it was like a very classic Marvel movies moment where I can't remember if it was the mid credits or the post credits scene, but um there was that scene where Miles like talks to me, he's like, Peter, I'm not I don't think I'm doing okay and then just like jumps up on the roof and then Peter just jumps up on yeah. the roof too. He's just like, What? No, this is do you, fine. Do you think we're gonna get so, co op in the sequel? Two Spider Men? Oh man, I, I hope so. I got cool. so excited wherever Miles Morales was first yeah. uh shown in this game. They set it up perfectly. Yeah, it was. I, it I was can't beautiful. wait for the sequel. I got the DLC too. Black oh, did Cat. you? I haven't had a chance to yeah. uh, get the DLC yet, but I, I was always interested in the Black Cat missions, even if they weren't they were kind of all they're not the same. Re- they're not really missions. Yeah, not really a mission. It's more so just like find the black cat. Yeah. But I like that story and I think that Peter and Black Cats have a very very interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, I want to play the D- DLC and see where it Great see game. Where exactly goes. You are at 100% completion, yep, correct? Yep. I got it. I'm at about 91 92. I'm playing on also getting 100%. I, I can't yeah. remember the last time I got 100% on a game. <laughs> I I was so into it. It it just made me feel like I needed to to get everything <laughs> the sense of completion is there um all right so that's spider-man ps4 let's move on to what we've been watching i'm going to talk a little bit about halloween horror nights at universal studios uh this is my second year in a row going Ooh. uh second time ever so last year was my first time this year not as good but still worth it uh, i think last year i kind of lucked out with being able to go to a bunch of houses i think most of the time people are only able to go to like two or three mm-hmm. just because of the weight uh, but this time i got to go to four as opposed to like five or six last year or something mm-hmm. uh i did one called um slaughter cinema oh that one looked cool <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool it's like it's almost <laughs> like um 
like I kind of want to say like an anthology or like a greatest hits of like old style slasher type things. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like B list yeah, slasher movies. It was weird because at one point you're like in a bar, um, and then another point you're like on a asteroid or alien planet, and then another point you're like in a lab. So you kind of jump around to all these different settings, and I just thought it was really creative. A little bit all over the place, but still really cool, really effective. Uh, Poltergeist was amazing. Yeah. So fucking good. I think that one may have been my favorite. Um, But there was this other one that really wowed me. Uh, It was called Seeds of Extinction. Whoa. Um, So it's basically like everything's been overgrown by like alien plants. And the costume design in it was so well done. Uh, Annihilation? Basically, yeah. Basically kind of like Annihilation, yeah. Um, The costumes were really well done. Like, people were covered in, like, fungus and fungi and, like, lichen and stuff. So they would blend in to the the setting and they'd jump out at you. I like that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Sometimes the guys, they they would just have, like, a weird-looking hand puppet. (laughs) And they would just, like, jump out at you with that. Uh, a lot of use of like big masks, like you know, like holding a big mask oh, in yeah. front of your body and not wearing a full costume, just like uh, kind of conveying like large monstrous things. Yeah, like ah, my face. Yeah, I saw a lot of that throughout. And I what was the fourth house I went in. Oh yeah, trick or treat, which it was it was pretty good. You know, you're like walking around the neighborhood and there's like creepy looking pumpkins. So you around. didn't do a uh, Halloween. I didn't do Halloween. I didn't do um, Stranger Things. No, I wanted to, but I just it was getting late. My yeah. feet hurt. <sighs> but the 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 scare zones, uh, I don't think the scare zones were as good. Did this you go year. to the Chucky scare zone? That How's one that? was cool. I okay. like that one. I wanted to see that just for seeing just Chucky shit. <laughs> yeah, that one was good. And there was another one that was like traditional scary. And it was really well done with a lot of fog and lights. And the costumes were just really cool of like hooded figures and pumpkin head people. Um, Really creepy. But then there was this one scare zone that I thought was just kind of dumb. It was like 1985 New Year's Eve. And (laughs) it was like a concert with dancers. And (laughs) guys dressed up in like, yeah, I don't know. Is it even (laughs) scary? Doesn't even even sound like a scary thing. Uh, but I liked, you know, again, just like last year, being able to go to Diagon Alley to the Harry Potter oh, yeah. area at, at night. So good. Yeah. So worth it. Very cool. That's a cool area. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I recommend it. I mean, you know, if you're in the Orlando area, it's a cool thing to do during this time of yeah, year. Yeah. You're kind of running out of days to go. I think that they close like this week. They, they stay go up into, until like November 4th or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. But, yeah. 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 All right, you want to tell us what you've been watching? Honey? Um, so uh, I saw the movie that we were originally going to um, going to review this week. Um, that is mid nineties. Yeah, don't spoil anything. I know by... it's not super plot heavy anyway, but no, it's yeah. not. Um, which is one of my qualms with the movie. But this is the new movie from a uh, actor Jonah Hill. This is the year that actors have turned into directors. We got like, Bo. Bo. Cooper, most notably Cooper, Jonah Hill, but also um, 
Ethan Hawke directed a movie this year. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yeah, oh my God. Like, this is a wild year for doing it. There was somebody, uh, Ike Barinholtz has a movie coming out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. All right, so I'm moving down. But still, like, so many actors are turning are getting behind the camera this year. Um, this is a very deeply, like, personal story, even if this isn't actually, like, factual what happened growing up this feels very real um i'll say like back in the middle school days like i was really into the skate culture and stuff granted i'm basically like at the same ability of the main kid in this movie where i i'm terrible at skating i always was but i just like i had friends who skated a lot and I was all about the culture, listening to a bunch of, like, no effects and shit like that. And um, more kind of emo-y, very angsty uh, music, along with just, like, old hip-hop, like, Tribe Called Quest kind of shit like that. Um, so, I was really interested to watch this movie because the thing is with skater movies is that most movies that play uh, skating and skating culture just fail horribly like um there's only a couple of examples of where i think like they kind of get skating culture right like um slc punk uh i think is a good at kind of displaying it a little bit for the most part though it's just like just like yo man we're stoners just fucking skating yeah rocket power got it right rocket power got it every kid can do a 1080 on a half pipe (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah of course um so I uh, I was interested to see this movie, and uh, I will say this movie nails the tone of what it's going for. It feels very 90s. It feels very authentic. Doesn't uh, it have the 4-3 aspect ratio? Yeah, as it's in the 4-3 aspect ratio. Very 8-24. Yeah. It's, whether or not that's actually necessary is debatable, but <laughs> <laughs> and if it adds anything to the film. But um, this nails that... Uh, there's a couple characters that are just like very loose sketches of people, which kind of bugged me. I was wanting a little bit more because I will say um, the Jonah Hill didn't take actors and turn them into skateboarders. He took skateboarders and turned them into actors. Hmm. And there's making sure people can do the tricks. Sort of like Armageddon. Yeah. You know, they took they took, <laughs> they took oil men and made them into astronauts. <laughs> um. There's, but I mean, like, the only uh, couple people in here that are, like, actually, like, known actors are Lucas Hedges, who plays the brother, and Catherine Watterson, who plays the mom. Um, but uh, Sonny Soljic is the main kid. He was in, uh, he's actually in the house with the clock in its walls, and he had a small part in Killing of a Sacred Deer, but apparently this guy is, like, an amazing skateboarder. And how Jonah Hill finally found these people is he was just around L.A., went to the skate park, and then just like went up to this kid and was like, hey, so have you ever thought about acting? And he's like, oh, I just got done with a movie with Yorgos Lanthimos. So he was just like, okay, so step down a little bit. That's what L.A. is It's going to be a like. little bit of a downgrade. <laughs> and just make a movie with me about skateboarding. Fucking L.A. You just should um, go, to go anywhere. <laughs> the real standout guy from this, and this uh, movie, which... Has one of the most surprising performances of the year is this guy, uh, Nikel Smith, who plays Ray, who's basically, he's kind of the alpha of the group, but this guy has never acted before, and he is wonderful. Like, he is truly awesome in this movie, and I really, like, it came out of nowhere for me. Um, 
like I said, some of the characters in the group I wanted a little bit more from. Um, I'm trying to lay very, very light on the plot itself. But um, I do recommend this movie. I feel like uh, what you get out of it may vary depending on your ch- taste. Um, this movie has a little bit of controversy around it, which I think is stupid. I'm kind of interested in what y'all's take is. Uh, that a lot of people are criticizing the language that's in this movie and like like profanity yeah because there's a lot of shit there it's just like don't say thank you or you're gay like shit like that and like kind of the homophobic nature but this is in the 90s with teenage boys Mm -hmm. so i feel like it's being pretentious if it's not using authentic language if it's not feeling real and lived in i mean you don't even have to go far that far back like we were that age in the early 2000s and people were still talking like that like i think that it's not like jonah hill's like like because a lot of people are misinterpreting it and being just like oh jonah hill thinks it's okay to say like faggot or something like that so that's not okay and i feel like it's more so he's trying to make a statement of like hey look at how we were talking Mm -hmm. then and we're better now as a society part of the problem might be that one time he called a guy in the paparazzi a faggot Oh, that's, that's not a, <laughs> that not might a joke. Be good. He but did, I mean, the, but, um, well, the thing is with that, we've been through this before. Like, this is a conversation that always happens. Like, there was a, a period in American film where we uh, preferred to act like racism had not existed, and mm-hmm. that like everything was all good in the '60s or whatever. Right. And then it, you know, people were like, actually, no, that's more offensive to do that. And so they started making movies about what happened. And those turned out to be much better movies than the movies that pretend that everyone was great friends back yeah. in the yeah. beginning of the century, you know? Exactly. Um, I think that it is, it was one of the main producers on the film. It might have been Scott Rudin, but it was somebody on the producers of the film that is a gay man. And Jonah Hill had to be like, is this okay? And he's just like, yeah, I mean, no, yeah, this is like what kids talked like. Like, mm-hmm. And um, another thing that's in it is this whole, like, kind of using uh, sexual exploration as, like, a bragging piece and just almost, like, it's it's looking down on women, but that's kind of what being, like, a 13 to a 15-year-old boy was like in that culture, which I, I see where the criticism is coming from, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, uh, How is uh, our, my boy Lucas Hedges? Hedges was good. Um, I mean, he's a wonderful actor. I wanted a little bit more from his character. He was one of the characters that I just... There was just certain things where this movie, I feel like it focused so much on the uh, tone of it all, which it nails, that it didn't spend enough time with the uh, with the characters. So is the movie too short? I actually... yeah, You know what? Because it's an hour and 24 minutes. It's what? a really short movie. I could have used it being like an hour 45. Hour 24. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. There's one scene in the movie that uh, feels pretty out of place uh, from like where the grounded realism of most of the movie is. But... Uh, oh, there was something else. Let me find it on here real quick. Yeah, this... Just kind of talk. You get just talk together. So talk together Jonah Hill skates. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. Used to skate, fresh uh-huh. to death, dude. He actually, uh, friend of the pod, Adam. Uh, he tweeted out that like everyone who went to his screener for the movie, they got this magazine created by Jonah Hill, and the whole premise of it was basically 
this movie is like a snapshot of what I remember from childhood of like the insecurity of like who I was being this little fat kid, like feeling weird. This is that movie for me. I asked a bunch of like famous people that I know what that moment in time is for them. And they, so he just got a bunch of people to write little essays about like, oh, what, cool. which I'm really yeah. angry because I had a screener past that movie, but I couldn't go because yeah. of work. So but I yeah, that's, so, that so he was obviously going for an ethos of total authenticity with this movie, which is very cool. I think that's the coolest thing ever. That, little magazine to just like give out like it's pretty neat. It's, it's better than uh darren aronofsky like explaining what his movie is about yeah. <laughs> just don't make a film about the bible um so Goddard one thing i wanted shit. to bring up is it's kind of interesting that this movie and eighth grade both come out uh, in the same year because they do share a lot of themes um one thing, though, that I will give eighth grade credit for over this movie um it's not even necessarily it's kind of just something that's inherent with making a flashback movie as opposed to something that's taking place now where Jonah Hill said another one of the reasons why he wanted to make sure that uh, he made this movie in the 90s is because now kids like if you're having problems in your life kids can just like pull out their cell phone just be like damn dude that sucks and pull out their cell phone where in the 90s people actually had to connect with each other and talk about their Which shit. Is hard. And that's kind of one thing that this movie does really well, though, is it's like 90% of it is connection between kids who come from broken families and have all this own shit going on in their lives. And then 10% of it's skateboarding. It kind of, I haven't seen Minding the Gap yet, but it kind of reminded me a little bit about mm-hmm. what you were talking about yeah, with that. Yeah. But what I'll credit eighth grade for is despite this culture that we're living in now, it still finds a way to make technology work in a effective way to the viewer so that's just one kind of uh main difference between the two of them is that it's almost easier to make a movie about the 90s than a movie that has to deal with the ramifications of having cell phones all right i'm excited i mean we're definitely gonna watch yeah i I had heard a few negative things about this so i'm glad that you're you don't overall i'm positive you're not in that camp yeah um I do understand some i've seen some really harsh reviews a lot of people are like kind of panning it yeah, which I don't understand that because, like I said, I think that this gets the tone so right that it makes me overlook some of this stuff. Not to the point of uh, giving it um, complete and total praise, but I definitely do recommend this. Um, as did kind of, I do kind of have a soft spot for movies like this that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more of a tone person than I am a plot person, anyways. Whenever it comes to uh, more period style stuff like this, so I'm interested to know what you guys think. Yeah, I, I, I really want to check this out. We also have Suspiria coming out. Suspiria is coming so. out this week, so you guys gotta <sighs> watch the original. Gotta catch up. Shit. All right, let's take a quick break, and then when we get back. We got some, we got some segments for you guys. So segments. Around. We'll be back. All right, so 
how about how about like I go through my list and then you guys because you're right we're, there's gonna be a lot of overlap so I'll I'll go I'll start with like the people I think we can all agree on and then we'll make edits and well and then I'll get farther into it and I'll make my case for these other guys and then you guys can make your case for the other ones that are okay so like you're right well we will have like five someone at least five people who didn't end up on your list that I feel like yeah should definitely exactly be on it. and yeah because I can make a case for a lot of these people because it is it's like assembling a dream team there has to be chemistry it can't all be Kobe's. It has to be, right. you know, supporting players. Yeah. You've got to have can't some. Have, can't have ten Adam Sandlers. You got to have some Bug bun Bugs Bunnies in there. <laughs> you got to have some Daffy Ducks. Yep. And some. Yeah. Um. What was the, the Mike, Michael Monsters? The Monsters. Yeah, the Monsters. Yeah. Monsters University. Yeah. yeah, Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Welcome back. Woof. Ugh. All right, we're we're giving you a, a new segment um, today. Yeah. We're expanding on an idea that drew um, an idea that I wholesale lifted from a different <laughs> podcast, and now it's ours. I mean, they didn't come up with it. It's a Mount Rushmore. It's basically a, it's a big rock. The, yeah, the thing is, we're not doing a Mount Rushmore though. We're doing two Mount Rushmores. <laughs> ten, that's ten. <laughs> so basically, our task is it's the front not, it's, and the back. It's a Mount Rush with an emphasis on the more. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. So, uh, so yeah, this is the SNL Dreamcast of the Millennium because we haven't all watched a bunch of like old old SNL. So, uh, obviously, a lot of this cast is going to like SNL hit a, a pretty big peak in the mid two thousands, and so a lot of my cast, I'm sure yours too, is going to contain mm -hmm. those guys. So I'll start with who I think we can all agree on. Uh, I'm assuming you guys have. Do you guys have Bill Hader in there? Yep. Hater, you gotta have hater. You have yeah. to have hater. The thing with him is he he can be your star, and he's also a really great repertoire guy. He can do he does impressions, and he he's the game show host. If there's any game show, mm -hmm. he can kind of do everything. Uh, so he's got to be in there. Kristen Wiig, I have in there. Yep, okay. I, I think she's a given. She, uh, she's like a you know top five all time uh, women on SNL. And I feel like uh, there's two other women that I have on here, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and I feel like the three of them can each do something very different from each other that they're not going to like. It's not overlapping skills. Yeah. You know Did I mean? you have both of those? I actually don't. Oh, Neither? really? I don't have Poehler or Fey. Oh. Uh, I don't Fey, I'm not I'm not even sure she had uh, characters on SNL. In particular, she but yeah, but her writing. You, well, you yeah, I know, I know that. But well, and also she is the perfect person because you have to think of all the different facets of SNL. That's why, like for example, I have Seth Meyers, even though he's not an actor. You have to have a Weekend Update host. Tina Fey, you have to have the political side of stuff like that, and she's great at doing those kind of impressions. Oh yeah, well she's yeah she's I mean she's great at uh you know she came back to do the one uh, Sarah Palin, mm -hmm. but when she was on SNL, she was mostly just Weekend Update. Um, kind of like Myers, and eventually she was like, "Hey, I don't want to act in the sketches," and like, they were just like, "Okay, it's fine." <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah, I guess we can have a wild card weekend update person, and that would be basically just in between Seth or Amy, mm -hmm. or not Amy, but Tina. Them two together would be interesting, actually. I think that the two of them together would be awesome. Yeah, because Seth and Tina, it'd be yeah. like what they went for with a uh, Colin and um, uh, Cecily. Cecily Strong, but that just didn't really work out as well. As I'm Michael so J. glad Cecily is back. Yeah, yeah. I also have Kate McKinnon on my list. Uh, the thing is, her and Weeg are similar. That was I had to make a decision between those two, and I would probably take Weeg over McKinnon personally. Um, but I, it's at this point is getting close for me because she's all they have right now on SNL, and she is every time she's in a sketch, she is 
absolutely carrying it like her characters are stunners uh she always gets a huge applause yeah and she's i mean she is good at being the center of attention uh Wig is also good at being kind of in the background which is good for her um so i i do have them both they we could just do one of those um so did you guys have fred yeah yeah, yeah, I have fred, oh, yeah. fred yeah fred brings the weird factor for the weirdness it was either him or like will forte for just like absolutely bizarre characters um he does great weekend update bits he does uh he just makes the most interesting character choices and he's a great chemistry guy everyone likes him he makes everyone laugh like in the middle of sketches um I, i'm i'm interested if you have this on there do you have keenan on there Yes, I do. Okay, he was. I didn't know because I mean, Keenan kind of does a lot of the stuff that Bill Hader does with like being like a game show host and kind of stuff yeah. like that too. So they have. I mean, I think that Hader is more talented than Keenan, <laughs> but Keenan is kind of that perfect background guy who he just does that look and then everybody laughs. He, every yeah, Keenan is really Keenan is kind of the best at sketch com- at live sketch comedy out of almost anyone I've ever seen on SNL. Uh, the other person that is technically in the 2000s that uh, may is often forgotten about is Will Ferrell. He has to be on there. He, I didn't realize that he was in the 2000s. For some yeah, he reason. left in the early 2000s, but oh. he was. The thing with him is I went back uh, when I had CISO and I watched a bunch of old Will Ferrell episodes because because everyone forgets that he was even on that cast. And like he was he was almost like a Bill Hader. Like he did everything. And which, he always made yeah, people I just, great. I just associated him with 90s because of like uh, Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, yeah. Like he that, was so. he was late 90s, early 2000s. But I had to put him in because he he is very like he did a lot of background work and he was he wasn't like a Farley where it just had to be about him. Um, but also when it was about him, he, you know, he has like the loudest voice and he's like six, five. So he's huge presence. Um, so I threw him on there. Okay. So the ones I want to make a case for are my background people who will do all the heavy lifting and get no credit. Um, okay. Keenan is one of those. Keenan has n- never gotten enough credit until just recently mm-hmm. after over a decade. Yeah. My other one that I, I threw in there is, uh, Cecily. She does, she's like. All, she hardly even does comedy. She is like an amazing dramatic actress in the middle of these sketches, and it adds so much humor because she plays it so dead ass serious. Great straight line. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, who else did I throw in there? Uh, I had so I had a couple spots left. I put Sudeikis in there. Did you guys do that? I I actually I was thinking about Sudeikis. He was kind of right there in that bottom half that I was yeah. kind of. It was uh bunch of different actors yeah i could be yeah i could take him out of this list and it wouldn't hurt the cast too but stakis is also he's a good background he's good at being the straight man he is he's yeah. good like if you, you could kind of plug him into any political figure role and he can kind of yeah do that thing where he plays an idiot but like he plays it off really funny yeah i was i was thinking a lot about roles uh, i would i would rather have beck than sudeikis i i hate well, I mean, they they play the same guy a lot, so I, I it makes sense. But I think Sudeikis was like really, really good. Like Beck is Beck is good I think too. Beck is killing it. Beck is, <laughs> is Beck is he's a great it. SNL character because he can he's so versatile. Yeah. Um. But they're the same. Like, uh, because they both have a deep voice and just and so yeah. I was thinking about who are they playing. Sudeikis is playing dad in any dad sketch, any family sketch, which there are a lot of those. Um. So he's always dad. He plays a really good just like asshole character like he's a good dickwad and then he's also a good straight line so he's versatile you know it's like we're assembling a basketball team basically it's a 10-man squad they have to have versatility um the other person i threw in and i think this is a vital 
vital pick is Samberg. Yeah, because I have Samberg in my he, list. I mean, he brings in digital shorts. Mm-hmm. Like that's he that is a huge thing for SNL. That saved SNL almost. Well, I'm, that wasn't just Samberg though. That was also. Um, well, that's the thing. The, what are the? Uh, oh my god, I forgot their names. The uh, Lonely Island. Yeah, Keeve and Yorma. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm assuming that they're coming in with him because that's okay. what happened. Okay. <laughs> um, I know Yorma actually auditioned to be on the cast of SNL, and he didn't even make it. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming that they will be writing. Uh. And if yeah, if those if that trio is there, that means that they still SNL is still relevant in some way because they were really losing it. And it Lazy Sunday was like a huge viral hit, like maybe one of the first viral things ever yeah. in the modern sense of like the the term, not just like some email that went around to your grandma. Um, <laughs> some spam. Yeah. Uh, so he's huge. He has to be there. And also underrated sketch guy. He's always known for the digital shorts. He was never bad in sketches. He's good. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do you guys want to throw in? Uh, Maya Rudolph. She's on my list. She was my last yep. person. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. Maya Rudolph was up there. I can I make the t- case for Kyle Mooney? Yeah. Yeah. Make. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> SNL, like this has happened over the years. They have to have that guy who comes in there at like the one o'clock slot. That's just like has something that's really weird that most of just the average audience have like gone to sleep at that point. But the people who are staying up late are like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, like right. the the Shape of Water sketch. You're right. Yeah. We need we well, need a guy. Cut? It's I it's think, a cut for time yeah. kind of thing. But still, but you need yeah. somebody who's fucking weird. So you're pitching. It's it's called the 10 to 1 sketch. Yeah. So he's a, he's your 10 to 1 guy. He's like the 12th man that comes in for like five minutes and he puts up like four rebounds. And yeah. you're like, good job. Yeah, you need okay. you need that kind of a guy. And yeah. I feel like you got to have it's, Kyle yeah, as that kind in, of a this, guy. Yeah, in this century, it's either Kyle or it's Will Forte. He was known in his day as the 10 to 1 guy. Especially when, when the sketches are getting cut and they're just ending up on the internet anyway. Yeah, that's Will Forte as yeah. well. He, he has so many cut sketches that are so fucking funny, but they're too weird. They're yeah. way too weird. So I I like your case there, and that is for me that I would take out Sudeikis and put in either Forte or Kyle. Yeah, yeah I feel like I I didn't think of for I forgot about Forte, but you can either do Kyle Mooney or Will Forte. Yeah, in that Will slot. Forte, Lorne Michaels' favorite cast member of all time. Whoa, really? Yes, well, is that why they praise. funded the uh, the MacGruber? <laughs> yeah, that's why they paid for MacGruber, <laughs> which was by the way written by Yorma from nice. from Lonely Island. <laughs> Uh, We're working on a sequel, by the way. And it was it was because his sketches were so his commitment was unbelievable. Like it's they were really obscure. They never went viral like any of the Lonely Island shit. But like if you look them up, it's like what am I watching right now? <laughs> so like there's the spelling bee sketch. If you can find it, this is for the listener. Look up. <laughs> it's uh, Will Forte like halftime speech, and it's Peyton Manning as a host, which was an all time great episode. Oh man! Yeah. And he he's giving it's Will Forte as the coach, and he's giving this really. He's like, we gotta go back in there, and you know, when I was in 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 a high school football, my coach put this song on, and it encouraged us, and we went out and we won state. And he puts this song on, and it's like goofy, like like da 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 da, and he's just mm-hmm. dancing. And he just dances for like three minutes and there's no like a total just music and him dancing and the whole football team is the rest of the cast and they're just like sitting there like, huh? And they're all and by the end, they're all like covering their faces because yeah. it's just watching Will Forte dance. <laughs> just trying to keep it straight. Yeah, I, I like that guy. Um, I'm trying to see who else I can make 
a pitchfork. Uh, I'll say definitely not Jimmy Fallon because he was bad. <laughs> he he was, sucked. He was probably he like break. he has a chance to be the worst cast member of the yeah. 21st yeah, century. Yeah, the only case for him is he he was the party boy. Him and Horatio together would throw the after parties, and you do kind of need an after party guy. No, you don't. For SNL, their whole half of the SNL thing is they fucking party all night after go, the show. Go write. Don't party. Just write all night. You need a guy who laughs in every single sketch. So great. Um, let's see. I'm looking at this list. I really, I think, um, Bobby Moynihan. He's he's a yeah he's a good chemistry guy. I think Bobby or Keenan. I feel like either of those two guys because both of them have great reaction takes. Both of them are great glue guys. Yeah, you have to have glue guys. I think Keenan's definitely better than Bobby Moynihan. I just think that uh, I don't know. It's almost like a sympathy card a little bit. I kind of feel sorry for Bobby (laughs) a little bit because now he left the show and he's not. He's doing nothing. Yeah, he's not gonna. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. I mean, maybe you saw that Rick and Morty bit about him. He's just like, I have to get out of here. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had that, uh, that CBS pilot and it got canceled after like four episodes. Yikes. Um, yeah, he's a good chemistry guy. Another good chemistry guy that I thought about is Tim Meadows from the early 2000s. Uh, he's a guy who in everything he's in, he is a good chemistry guy. Every pop star, hilarious, never needs to hold the ball for too long. He's always giving assists out. Um, he's in, uh, walk hard. Oh, he's nice. great in Walk he's Hard. He's great in Walk yeah. Hard. He's great on The Office for that one episode yeah, where the, they get the drunk at Chili's. Chili's episode, he's, yeah. He is so good. I think that... If he were, if he had come along right now in this day and age, I think that he would get a movie franchise. But back then, there were just not opportunities for for black men to star in movies. Also, did you guys know that he's Tim, so funny? Did you guys know that Tim Meadows starred in a movie called The Ladies Man? And this is the poster for oh, it. Oh no! I want viewers at home to Google The Ladies Man 2000. That, see, this is what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> the opportunity that you got in 2000. That looks like black exploitation to me. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to watch does. it to find out, but I, I, this is this is the hill I will die on. If he had come along now, he would get movies. He would get starring roles because he is never not funny. Like what kind of movies though? It would just be like the type of movie that like, I mean, there aren't that many comedy. Like Kevin Hart. The well, yeah, Kevin Hart style, but funnier. Okay. More like like Apatow, Apatow produced, where like typically you'd have like a Rogan or a Jonah Hill or I, or a Paul Rudd, but you have Meadows instead. I don't okay. think that he would get Kevin Hart roles because I feel like Kevin Hart kind of took over the lane where Adam Sandler was, where it's stupid yeah. zaniness, and I don't think Tim Meadows was no. that out there of a guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would be more Apatowian because he is yeah. an improviser and he's. He's everybody's friend. Like everybody speaks so highly. He has highly a very of him. friendly, personable face. Underrated guy. Also, I think you need a Jenny Slate to say fuck on air <laughs> and get kicked off <laughs> and the get show, fired. and so that someone else can come in. You always need that person that okay. needs to get booted off it's the our show. Twelfth man. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I like that. The guy who comes in and gets ejected. Guy, have your Draymond Green on this team. Yeah, so. yeah. Guy, have somebody kick everybody else in the balls. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's like James Jones when he was like <laughs> 40 and on the heat and he was just coming for a minute and like punch a guy. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, James. They're like, you did it. And they're like, See he's getting week. fined. And they're like, we'll pay for it. Don't worry. Yeah. Just get back out there next week. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Uh, all right. So we, we have a couple people that we need to cut from this roster. I have, I have 12 men on my team right now. Um, um, yeah, because I counted up everyone. I mean, if we're including the Lonely Island as one spot, 
Yeah, they are because it's only one cast member. Exactly. So, and if well, if we're casting writers to go to that side of things, Mulaney is going first. Oh yeah, Mulaney is, is the best. Yeah, he's a writer for sure. Uh, he could do. He could have done Weekend Update, man. So he, yeah, he'd be a great. They tested I, him to do it, and he, they decided to go with Seth. Can I read you my? I I have. 11 and a half now and I want you to because one of them is Kyle Mooney slash Will Forte so we can kind of determine that one I have Amy Poehler yeah Tina Fey Mm -hmm. Bill Hader yeah Kristen Wiig yeah yeah Seth Meyers that's my five okay the thing with Fey is is she a floating weekend update because she really didn't do anything when she was on the cast. She came in and she did. Uh, okay, so she might be she might be on the bubble then. She, well, she can be your update wildcard player. Okay, I'd be okay with cutting Faye if we're gonna put Mulaney in. No, we're not putting him in the cast. We're putting oh, him okay. in the writers, yeah. and then we'll we can have Myers. the The eleventh man is the weekend update. Okay, so we can yeah, because I mean I wouldn't see Faye as part of the cast anyway. She's more of a writer or weekend update right. person. Yeah, so we we might be able to cut her, and then. This is just my homerism kicking in Kyle Mooney over Will Forte. I mean, I know Forte is a better actor and is probably more versatile than Kyle, but I want somebody who's as weird as possible, and that's Kyle yeah, Mooney. That's, yeah, I think the reason I have Forte in over Kyle is because uh, I already have Sandberg bringing in the pre-tape shit. And a lot of Kyle's best stuff is pre-taped. Okay, he, you know what? That's fair. That's you know, that's fair. Like we could go more pre-taped, like SNL is going, and just have two per week. I would only be okay with cutting Mooney, Kyle Mooney, if we green light another movie for him. If if Lauren <laughs> Brigsby Bear too. If yeah, if Lauren finances that's a that's to fair. Brigsby. So we're we're firing Kyle, but he does get a three-year deal with, with Broadway Video. Owned by Lorne Michaels. Yeah. And it's like weird indie and he has full. And it's not straight to Netflix. It's theatrical release. Yeah. Okay. And he has full auteur capabilities. All right. All right. So we're putting okay. in Forte for, for Mooney. We're negotiating um, contracts at this point. Let's see. <laughs> Seven. Um, I have Fred Armisen, of course. Uh, eight. Keenan. Yeah. I think Keenan has to be there. Yeah. He does. He's hey, the ultimate. No Leslie guy. Jones? <laughs> no. No, uh, she, if we were making like a fifteen-man roster, she'd be okay. on it. But... She wouldn't be on mine. She she is very funny on update. Kind of one note. No, well, no, she she can't act, and she ruins every sketch that she's in because she can't act. She's Fallon. She laughs. Yeah, like you know, and yeah, she's. Right. I will give her credit. This year, she is so much better. She used to like in every sketch the past two years. She tripped over every line, and she laughed a lot, which is a little funny. Um, but now she's actually really acting. So good for good for yeah. Leslie. Um, nine, I have Will Ferrell. Yeah. Got to keep him in there. 10, Sandberg. And then the last two I have on here. Oh man, this is tough. Then Sudeikis and Maya Rudolph. I, I would keep, I'll keep Maya. I would keep Maya because now that I think of it, Will Forte can play dad. Yeah. Or not Forte, but, uh, Will Ferrell can play dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Sudeikis is kind of edged out, even though he was great. Uh, so we're taking out Sudeikis and Tina Fey. So let's yeah. see here. We have Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Seth Meyers, Will Forte, Fred Armisen, Keenan Thompson, Will Ferrell, Andy Samberg, and Maya Rudolph. There's our 10. Well, okay, so 11th man is is update, which is Myers, right? So we can fit in one more, and I, I'm going to make the case okay. once more for Cecily. Mm-hmm. I, I think that she is the most underrated person I've ever seen on SNL in terms of 
pure. Okay, we can do we can do ten cast members and then Myers as the update guy. Yeah, wildcard eleventh man. I I like that cast. And uh, damn, so we cut Kyle and Beck. Well, Rip. well, I mean, it's Beck is in. He would have played the Sudeikis role, but it, we we need a straight man on this cast. Like it, you have to have just the the guy. If you have to have a Sudeikis or uh, yeah, and and Beck is really good, but I think if you put him in a sketch next to Will Ferrell, you'd be like, man, like he's not as. So good. you you're saying that anything that Beck could do in terms of being like zany or straight will ferrell could do better yeah he could be replaced by either ferrell he could be replaced by one of those guys for everything he okay. does like the repertoire could replace him i think uh i still like him he'd be my top 20 i think that's tough because then like when you're thinking about like who they're gonna get to come in and play like just some whoever like some political figure you're between like bill Hader, fred armison will forte or will ferrell yeah. Or Keenan. That's now those guys are like the classic SNL straight man. Uh Hater Hater could do good in that. He played H- a lot of po- like just like generic politics guys. He's he is the perfect like newscaster. Whenever they have somebody who's just like a CNN host, like somebody yeah. just doing that. Well, here's here's my take. Our writing staff, I'm going to I'm going to have to they're going to have to take it down a notch with the politics because Yeah, every single episode. Yeah, and, well, and, and yeah, they that's they're, true. and they're not progressive enough for it to be like whoa they they went there it's just like mostly alec baldwin just like like squeezing his lips together yeah it's, it's like that's not po- it's dumb would you get better satire out of south park than you do snl yeah at this point? we can do cold opens that are political because that's has historical context get matt damon coming yeah just the cold open and then the weekend update yeah, let's get matt damon to play every cameo <laughs> that comes on yeah snl and that's what his job has been reduced to now <laughs> he just, just comes in guy. to do a cameo he's and... the Dion waiters of this team yeah all just right comes in there and shoots up eight threes in two minutes <laughs> and makes one of them all right. Um, so that's our cast. So, so do you want to go to our next cast? Um, yeah. So, wait. What do we have? Uh, what do we have next up on here? Do you guys have a hill that you want to die on? Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't prepare for that. You know, if- I have a sports hill that I can die on. Oh yeah. What is that? it? You guys ready? I don't know if you're ready. for I'm this. not ready. The New England Patriots oh, are the it. scrappy underdog <laughs> that we all should love and get behind. <laughs> think about, think about, think about. No, they have all these teams. They're now like lowering and lowering in the polls. They have a forty-one-year-old quarterback who's on his way out. They just brought in their first two. They got two first-round draft picks. Both of them are out for the year. They now have. I don't a, care. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> they brought in Josh Gordon, who is a basket case. Uh, who hasn't played a full season in a four years? Case. <laughs> you're, you're like going. He can't. He he's in and out of rehab. You're going full ESPN. <laughs> like, you never said basket case in your life. <laughs> you're you're basically saying that reverse racism is a thing. Yeah. I am saying. I'm saying that they have an all like almost an all white group. No. And oh sucks. boy. Okay. <laughs> let's. Let's I'm just move saying on. they're the no. scrappy underdog that we should all be cheering for. I, deep fuck down. the Patriots. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm going to one year old quarterback. This is going to be a new segment. It's called The Hill I Will Die On. But I don't ha- I I always it's because I always think of takes where I'm like, you know, that's this is pretty stupid, but I would also like genuinely argue this. So that's what that take segment is going to be, but I don't have anything this week. All I can think of off the top of my head is Abba makes good music. And I will die on that hill. Okay, that's good. That's I'm, some fun. That's good. Swedish disco pop. Do I have a count Can I make a counter to that? 
What if it's not good music, though? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be great music. It just has to be something that's fun to listen to and have a good time and dance and smile. My counter to that is that ABBA sucks and I rest my case. <laughs> okay, so this is the kind of shit you can look forward to. Like, very intelligent conversations. Yeah. <laughs> We're really going to get into it. <laughs> I mean, the nuts and bolts. You don't, you don't really have to go too deep into their music catalog to find fun songs like Super Trooper or Chiquitica or um, even fucking Dancing Queen. Like, it just puts a smile See, on your face. I think this is fair because... Something that I was talking to, I think Colin, friend of the pod, uh, he was asking me about Drake. He was like, I, he was like, I don't know, I don't really like him. Should I get into him? And I was like, No, I don't. I'm not into him. But Drake did not get into music to be like, Hey, the critics, like, I'm going to be their number one guy. <laughs> no, he went into music saying, I want to be the biggest star in the world, even though I'm like kind of weird looking, and he is. Yeah. He is the biggest star, the most listened to artist in the world right now. He's not that good of a singer. He's not that great. I mean, it's, he's become a good performer. But when he started, he wasn't even that good at anything. That's why I really respect him. He grinds like a motherfucker. Like, he works like 20-hour days. He abandoned his child. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. So, um, I... I actually, um, I don't remember if I was listening to a podcast or how this exactly came up, but I've kind of come to the acceptance that Drake's music, it's just not for me. Um, yeah, exactly. I do think that Take Care is a good album. I'll stand by that's a good album. And if you're um, reading I even this. think if you're reading this, it's too late. That's mm -hmm. a good mixtape. But for the most part, his music just is not for me. But I do think that whenever you talk about the most successful rap artists of all time, number one is definitely Jay-Z. Even if his music has isn't the level of Kanye or um, some of the old greats like Pac or uh, Biggie or anything like that or Snoop Dogg even. Well, he was the um, first bridge into pop or hip-hop. And Yeah, and he revolutionized the game and he is a fucking business mogul at this point. Like He has turned his music into success unlike anybody else. I think that Drake is number two and he is getting up there as far as just being mass appeal and reaching everybody anytime that drake releases a new album guaranteed at least 10 of those songs are going to be on the top 40 that well yeah that's the thing and with streaming counted in every song on his new album was in the top 40 yeah, yeah. like the thing is i i think i read this somewhere else too like how many years do you have to be on top of the literal world until people start being like all right that's very impressive like it is so impressive what he's doing I'm impressed even if the music yeah, yeah even if i don't but... care about the music it's like jesus christ that guy like he does everything he can like he just like i, I don't it, know it, it checks a lot of boxes in terms of audience and, and demographics like you got your club girls you got your basic like frat bros um even like just people who don't really care to dive too much like too deep into music they know who drake is and yeah. they can just like put on the radio and enjoy it yeah i mean shit, god's the... plan still plays on the radio like every fucking day and you still have kids just like walking around just being like i only love my bed and my mom i'm sorry <laughs> it makes me want to kill myself every time but that's still impressive that he was able yeah. to reach so many yeah. people and the thing is if it comes on at like a party i like it because that's it's not for it's party music. It's not for me when I'm sad, which is always putting on headphones and just being like, let's just go deep. Like, that's not what it's for, except for like Marvin's room. Yeah, like, no, exactly. That's what I was saying that Take Care is my favorite album because that's the most that's the most uh, inside baseball album that Drake will ever make. Yeah. That's the most personal. 
And other than that, I feel like it's all, it's it's just fun party music. And you can never expect Drake to put out an, an album that like Kendrick would well, write, or even Kanye West, or uh, like old Kanye. It's just, we, we live in the age of indie where there's so much depth if you want to find it. Uh, but think about, it's, I don't want to, I'm not actually explicitly comparing them, but think about if someone in the 80s was like, uh... Michael Jackson is not deep at all. All his <laughs> shit is just poppy fucking yeah. garbage. It's like, yeah, it's pop. It's that's what it's for. Yep. But even still, I mean, Michael Jackson still made like fucking black and white and man in the mirror and stuff. Well, that was, was later still making on. Social statements. He made plenty of albums that had no statements though. In the beginning, like Bad doesn't really have any statements in it, and all of his hits do not have statements because they're hits. Like, there's a reason that they don't have statements. It's on purpose. <laughs> well, I want to I want to think a little bit about a lot of the music that is kind of blowing up right now. All of this, like, SoundCloud rapper shit and, you know, all these, like, very, I don't know, kind of basic um, drugged out lyrics about not really anything, but, like, those are making drugs the wrong or, kinds of statements. Yeah, like just all of this music that's kind of getting really popular with people who just have no interest in writing like songs that are any sort of. Uh, there's no depth, and I'm not saying the music has to have depth, but tying it back to ABBA, I would <laughs> much rather listen to ABBA. Than fucking SoundCloud rappers. You've been getting really into ABBA lately, haven't you? Like Jesus, yeah, I, I did not expect I this. Wouldn't, I would not. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like what I'm trying to say is like ABBA is not deep. Like it's not. Tr- they're not trying to make anything transcendent there. It's very surface level disco pop, but it's much more pleasing to the ears, in my opinion, than something like. Uh, I don't know, little pump or whatever. So, um, two points that I would make. One is that um, I think that SoundCloud rappers are making they're making a statement, but it's a bad and the wrong statement. They're yeah, making the statement that like up. women are objects, get fucked up all the time. Um, it's just a bunch of fucking chads that are out here, just like I'm entitled to have sex, even though I'm white and I have blue dreadlocks and I <laughs> look like I have never bathed in my life. Um, and I just want to say that. I would rather listen to either silence or listen to a story about like intergalactic war that has to do with like oh, coming oh, sh- down to okay, fundamental no. relationships, like no, the new Coheed no, album. No, 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 no. <laughs> Patriots, Coheed. This is the worst episode. Um, By the way, Coheed is now officially the uh, the official band of the New England Patriots. <laughs> Whoa, so, yeah. Funny how that I, worked out. By me, I want to I want to give some credit to SoundCloud rappers because on yeah, lyrically there's not a lot there a lot of the time. Sometimes there is. And also, the thing that they bring to the table is innovation and production. That's what they're known for. Any trend in modern hip hop came from SoundCloud. Yeah, rappers. that's true. I mean, like ninety percent of them. All the new flows that you hear, that you're like, oh, that's I haven't heard someone talk like that. It came straight from SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much influence. And frankly, about ninety percent of the time, I'm not listening to music for lyrics. I'm listening like because my love for music dates back to before I could understand words mm-hmm. and. And even after that, before I could relate to like, you know, adults talking about adult shit, like it's just more about how it sounds. Um, So like, yeah, there's a lot wrong with it. I don't put it on all the time, but there is a lot of stuff going on in that field that is like, 
affecting artists that we do love. Yeah, and that's true. And they kind of made trap music like a thing. Like what, that's why it makes me angry whenever there's an artist like J. Cole who puts out an album that's just like SoundCloud rappers suck. But then his album is like so heavily yeah, there's a lot of influence. like inspired by SoundCloud rappers that yeah. it's it's a joke. Yeah, like I don't I don't listen to a lot of it, but again, there's a lot of stuff happening there that to you write can't it, deny the, the yeah impact. I can't I can't write it off. Like there's some good stuff going on. Um, but yeah, let's talk SpongeBob. Yeah, <laughs> so, natural natural transition. Speaking of trap music, welcome to SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> yeah, was, I mean you can trace the influence of SoundCloud rappers. Pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, so the return of our famous recast segment. Yeah, baby. And we're recasting SpongeBob. So before we start, I just want to make sure I mention all of the characters that I recast. So I have SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, Sandy Cheeks, Mr. Krabs, Plankton, Pearl, Larry the Lobster, and Mrs. Puff. Same. Oh, you did a couple extra. I have that exact list. Okay, good. Um. Okay, so let's start with the titular SpongeBob. So, it, Drew, you you've been basically <laughs> touting this segment because <laughs> of this pick. Well, this I I thought of recasting SpongeBob. Like I thought of this before I thought of the segment. Like I think the perfect choice is nineteen late seventies, early eighties Martin Short, because for his entire career, his whole thing has been, "Hey, I'm a little guy, and I'm." So super fucking happy and super obnoxious and like so energetic which is the character of spongebob mm-hmm. if you wrote down the the adjectives of martin short in general and then spongebob it's the same thing yeah like he is exactly that. he bring yeah he brings crazy like positive energy wherever he goes even though i don't really like him um <laughs> but that is that is who he is and he fits the size of a spongebob SpongeBob, <laughs> spongebob in my head just has to be a little guy yeah, yeah. like we're doing I, I don't know exactly what format we're casting for. It is live action, obviously. It, I was kind of imagining the Broadway show a little bit. A Broadway show? Well, then they have to sing, though. No, no. I, I didn't mean it like exactly like the Broadway show, just yeah, like yeah. the spirit of it. Okay. I was almost thinking of like a modern like single-cam sitcom version Ooh, of SpongeBob. Okay. My cast is, is leaning a little bit on the more like R-rated side a little bit like a kind of like a David Wayne <laughs> Jenny Slate is Sandy Cheeks <laughs> that makes sense uh yeah, yeah yeah like a David Wayne type of Spongebob yeah. I like that um okay so who do you guys have? also I, I try to go for mainly TV actors but I I threw in a couple movie actors too um in key spots your budget for casting is seven million dollars <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that would um, be crazy so for Spongebob I have Charlie Day yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I love that. That's yeah. very that's, good. That's good. good I like choice. that too. He he actually has a similar voice almost. Mm-hmm. It has the, yeah, the you have to have kind of a high pitched kind of squeaky. But obviously, voice for with it. Charlie Day comes the drug use and the intense. <laughs> SpongeBob just He's yeah. SpongeBob paint. is like actually manic depressed and yeah. Well, it wouldn't be paint. It would be like uh, ice cream. He's like for the Goofy Goover thing in the movie. It'd be. Good. I was thinking more just like. Uh, like barnacles or um, <laughs> seashells, crushed you know, up seashells. They're, they're poisonous uh, sea urchins who exactly. could pr- maybe give a sponge a high. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So okay. who do you got? So um, this I will say I think is not my best casting from the group, but I have Todd Sherry, who you might know as Marshall Langman from Parks and Rec. Who's that? 
You might just just look at this guy. Doesn't he just look like he would be a SpongeBob? He has a very like <laughs> so high he, voice. He plays the the he gay look, husband. Yeah, of, he plays yeah. the gay the husband gay, in the gay uh, Parks guy. and Rec. Um, that is so obscure that I like it. Yeah, no, I actually he kinda, think he kind of looks. He like kind SpongeBob. of looks like the he could be teeth. SpongeBob. That's my thing is that like I kind of went for a guy who has to have like a certain kind of um, feminine's the wrong word, but he has to have like this intense vulnerability to him yeah, was what okay. I was thinking of. And because um, originally, I mean, I do think Martin Short is the best casting for him, but you already spoiled I like Charlie, for though. That, so Charlie's very good. I, I didn't want to take that one because I was like, oh, I don't know, like Marshall, Martin Freeman What led you to Marshall Langman, I wonder? I just, whenever I first thought about who to cast as SpongeBob, I just pictured that guy okay. from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Todd I've been watching a lot of... Todd Sherry's IMBD profile is him with his shirt completely unbuttoned and he's sticking <laughs> yeah. his head into a shirt (laughs) he's grabbing his chest see yeah hunter had that headshot in his like pics on his phone (laughs) and he was just scrolling one day it was it was also this photo that looks like spongebob yes okay so i like that too because it's that's like a you're giving a guy a big break yeah you know i for one of my pics i gave a guy a big break and i i feel proud all right uh Patrick. patrick well okay let's do patrick so patrick has to be stupid I think has to be kind of like a big old lunk, like mm-hmm. has to be like a big dude. But like lovable. Yeah. Sedentary. Uh, pudgy. Yeah, pudgy, like at least, like a big, just a big guy. Inc- it has to be someone who's good at being so stupid, mm. like so dumb and like, like almost like medically like needs to be in a, like locked up because he's so stupid. Patrick is so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I chose Fat Pratt. Oh, okay. Fat, oh, Chris Pratt. Fat Chris Pratt from That's Parks and Rec. That yeah, is, okay. Yeah. Like, he, because he is the best in real life idiot I've ever seen. Yeah. He is well, so good. Andy as a dummy. in Parks and Rec has moments of true brilliance and genius. Yeah, just like, I feel yeah, like. just like Patrick does. Pat, yeah, can, yeah. 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 I, I think it's, I think it's really great. That's, that's, that's good. I, that's I good. love I like that. Fat Chris Pratt. Okay. Mine, uh, I wanted to think of someone that was like pudgy and, you know, very uh i don't know dumb kind of <laughs> but i i went with someone who i think could play that even though we've never really necessarily seen this person doing that and that's lakeith stanfield whoa what I, yeah he's definitely not pudgy he's very lanky but i think <laughs> he'd that, have to put on some pounds for this i, I just role. i think that he could you'll he, he does could convey the character well, and he without... has that kind of i was thinking in the same like almost like stoner stupid yeah, exactly. kind of mindset a guy who could live under a rock for weeks and months at a time i mean yeah, just the thing chill. is yeah in the in the single cam sitcom version of this patrick is a stoner like yeah he does yeah. smoke yeah definitely you yeah. know exactly so that was my that was definitely my okay yeah, I think, um okay see originally whenever i first thought about this my first uh reaction was seth rogan but seth rogan is <laughs> too he's too unlikable but he does have a laugh so then i was trying to think of somebody who's like more lovable than seth rogan but can also still is bigger and stupid and is lovable for that and danny mcbride that's, Our that's Halloween good. writer he's, Danny McBride. He's very aggressive at times, though. No, but I feel he's played very toned down before, and that's why I think that he could he could be a good Patrick, just like chilling there, just like he's got a good laugh too for Patrick. Yeah, I I mean I like it. I, I'm down with that. He was my second choice for Mr. Krabs, actually. Ooh, he'd be a good Mr. Krabs. I, yeah, I have two Money Mr. Hungry. Krabs. Yeah, because but... yeah, because that's more of like an evil role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. 
All right, that yeah, pretty good. So, pretty good. Squidward. So, yeah, so Squidward is the anti he has to be everything that SpongeBob is not. Like he's a classic uh anti-hero or villain, I guess. You mm-hmm. would, um so I went with Nathan Fielder. That's great. Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's a good one. He very monotone. Yeah, big nose, uh great great voice. M- yeah, monotonous uh and the the main thing I was thinking of uh, was the dead-eyed stare? Mm-hmm. That's what Nathan does. Kind of, kind of giving up a little bit. Yeah. Um. And I think that I would like this because sometimes Squidward just has like full-on rage attacks, and I think I I would like for Nathan Squidward to be a little more toned down and just a little bit more like, fucking really, like yeah. you know. And yeah, I I just I mean I want Nathan to be anything. Mine I'm is coping. Uh, my <laughs> mine is definitely leaning into like the performative aspect of Squidward, the yeah, clarinet yeah. player. Yeah, uh, I chose Edward Norton. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be a perfect Squidward, just being like really okay. When when I saw um, SpongeBob on Broadway, the Squidward that they chose is so fucking performative. Like he wants to be a star. Yeah, he wants to no, shine I, brighter than I, anybody I like else. I really like Ed Norton. Yeah, and I think Ed Norton is perfect for that. <laughs> that's, okay, that's all right. I, I I can see that. At first, yeah. I was kind of taken aback by it, but I I more I think about yeah, it. Yeah, like because because Ed Norton's kind of a guy. Because the way he looks, you see him in a movie, and you're like, is this guy serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would work really well. Um, my Squidward, I'm pretty happy with this. Brad Garrett. <laughs> you probably know the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, this as guy. the neighbor, he's so monotone, and yeah. he looks like he's never experienced joy in his entire life. Well, yeah, that's basically who he is in Everybody Loves Raymond. He's basically yeah. a Squidward, and I feel like he would be the perfect kind of Squidward. <laughs> yeah, in that role, I like. Um, it. Also, I mean, I just I whenever I think of Squidward, I just want somebody with either a very nasally or a very monotone voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the same reason, why well, I actually thought about Nathan Fielder too, just because yeah, you yeah. have to have somebody who's very, very flat. And I feel like Brad Garrett could do it. Yeah. Also, feel like if you have a short SpongeBob, having Brad Garrett, who's like yeah. six foot eight, yeah. like towering above him and just so done with his shit. Also, uh, Brad Garrett was the voice of Eeyore in this year's Christopher Robin. Yeah. He has a really great voice. He yeah. has a great voice. I think that's great. I, I really like that one. Yeah. I'm, I was happy Very with that solid. one. All right. Uh, uh, Sandy Crab. Cheeks. Oh, Sandy Cheeks. Okay. This was me and Hunter. This was hard. Yeah, we agreed this was a tough one. Um, Sandy brings a lot of different energies to the show. She can bring in like super positive, super negative sometimes, like a lot of anger. She's also like the genius. The, the yeah, brains. she's incredibly smart. Mm-hmm. She has so many different things in SpongeBob, and also she. Uh, you have to have someone who can do like a really over the top voice. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an exact like Texan thing. But uh, who did you guys have? No, you so, you go first. I I went with Maya Rudolph. Ooh, because that's good. That's that good. is okay. her repertoire of what she would do on SNL was very similar. She would bring in no matter what she brought in a whole lot of energy, which is very Sandy. She has so many different voices, uh, you know, impressions or anything, just accents. Uh, she, she does br- a few voices on Big Mouth. Right? Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah she br- and she can bring in uh, like exuberant positivity, and she can also bring in like really harsh anger. And I, th- I think that she would do a good job with it. She's the is she the female hormone monster? Yeah, she is, which okay. is kind of a, a little bit of a southern accent too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mine, um, I kind of didn't really take into account the Texan thing too much, but I think that the person I yeah, chose could do it. I leaned more into like being this crazy manic genius yeah yeah i chose kate mckinnon yes that's okay that's great yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Both of y'all went with SNL people. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah McKinney would be awesome. I went with somebody who is now uh, dabbling into the whole voice acting realm, and that is Zendaya. I feel like Zendaya, Zendaya is Michi. Zendaya is Sandy. LeBron James um, is Gwangi. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, this one was tough for me, but I do think that she is very, uh, she can play very smart. Um, like thinking about the intelligence kind of played a role in me. I don't really know how well she can do like a Southern accent or mm. something like that, but it was kind of between her and like Kiki Palmer was in my mind, <laughs> oh, kind of no. something, Kiki but Palmer. I'm leaning more towards Zendaya just because I feel like she can play smart yeah. and she also has a good voice. Like she could be a, that kind of, I feel like she could pull it's off a, a Southern It's a accent. fresh face to yeah. be Sandy. Yeah, I'm trying to give I a couple I, people some I think breaks. I won this round. <laughs> what did Maya Rudolph Yeah, I, I, I kind of like Maya Rudolph. Right. Um, he, our next segment. Mr. Krabs? Our next segment, by the way, is going to be recasting sm- the Smallfoot movie. <laughs> <laughs> but keeping Zendaya plays every character. Yeah, yeah. Danny DeVito is still Dorkle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Mr. Krabs, who you guys have? Okay, so like I said, I wanted to... I think I found the perfect guy to fill this role because Mr. Krabs is uh, he is inherently evil. Mm-hmm. He but the thing is, he also gets storylines. So it's kind of like a Michael Scott evil. He gets a song, too. Yeah. And I didn't I don't think that he has he definitely has to have like some kind of weird voice. I don't think he necessarily has to talk like a pirate because I was thinking about like a real sitcom. And if there was a guy that came in talking like <laughs> yeah, that, I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> So I went with a guy who is very funny, has never gotten a major role, uh, can do any voice in the world, uh, and kind of looks a bit like a villain, and that's James Adomian. Do you guys oh, know okay. James Adomian? I recognize the name. I so the name. he was a regular on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast like in the early days, and he can do any impression, any voice in the entire world. Uh, it turns out that his backstory is he has auditioned for SNL twice, and both times he was like the last guy on the bubble, and he didn't make it. Um, he has recently got fame for, he did a tour with Anthony, uh, Atamiuk, the guy who does Trump on the Trump show on Comedy Central and he, uh, Adomian is Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I've okay. seen that. This guy is so, so talented and he is now in his thirties. So he's not going to get SNL anymore. Uh, and he is, he's reaching the age where he can play a villain, which is good because when you're in your twenties, it's hard to get a villain role. Um, and I, I think that he would nail it. Okay. I chose someone who has a history of being kind of this antagonistic figure um, and could also play someone who is money hungry and, uh, you know, older traditionalist. And that's Chevy Chase. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Now that he's like old and evil. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like community level. Community Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Okay. That, okay. would, that would cause chemistry issues with the cast. Yeah, yeah he'd probably leave like one season. <laughs> oh, in. we we yeah, didn't yeah. say Dan Harmon is directing this live action <laughs> yeah. about recast. So yeah, it's gonna know, be way. Be it's gonna be super self aware. Um, <laughs> uh, my Mr. Krabs, I'm I'm pretty happy with this one. I I was thinking somebody because I don't think Mr. Krabs is like inherently evil. I just think that he's very selfish and yeah, yeah. Like uh, it's like very, a he's Scott very money hungry. So I was thinking of somebody who's rich but seems like the type of guy who would like pinch every penny um, and is almost I picked I picked a smaller guy for this one too, Danny DeVito. Well, okay. I thought of that. Yeah, I thought I think of that Danny one. DeVito. Yeah, that's solid. That's really but good. almost with the uh, angry side of J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. <laughs> Because I I wanted to I really wanted to put J.K. Simmons there, but I don't think J.K. Simmons could do the subdued um, 
like over the topness yeah. of Mr. Krabs, almost like, like almost like uh, his penguin in Batman Returns. Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, like, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's I, a good one. And then if he gets cast with my SpongeBob, it's an Always Sunny reunion. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. okay. All right, Plankton. This is okay. <laughs> this is not a joke. Are we gonna get offensive here with the little people? It's or what? Peter Dinklage. It's Peter Dinklage. Yep, it's Peter Dinklage. <laughs> That is good. He's, no, he's a perfect plankton. Yeah, good. I'm not he's saying perfect. Yeah, not just because he's a little guy, because he is the so good at being so angry. Yeah, yeah. and maniacal. Yeah, That's, he's. Perfect, I knew. Man. I I had a feeling that one of y'all was gonna it's, pick Dinklage with yeah. me, and he is the perfect Dinklage because yeah. he can be so over the top angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. just picture him like oh, rubbing his hands world. together, like ah, <laughs> damn okay. it. I'm going to pick someone who is also inspired by the Broadway show because Plankton had uh, his song was written by David Bowie. Wow. So what? Yeah. So (laughs) he he, well, I think what they did is they they maybe like lifted a a Bowie song that already existed and just like put a a SpongeBob skin on it with Mm. Bowie's blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think Michael Shannon would be an amazing yeah. plankton. Okay. He has great rage. Yeah. yeah, and not just the rage, but I, I think that an actor like Shannon would love the chance to be a little bit different than what he usually does and be a little bit more, more comical. More yeah. yeah, a little well, bit more comical. Think about him at the very end of They Came Together when he runs oh, in oh, yeah. and he's like, I'm going to kill you, bitch! <laughs> That, he he's great at yeah. rage. Like He's a great Yeah, I, I think Yeah, I think he... Uh, I love Dinklage. That's a... That's an inspired choice, but I think Michael <laughs> Shannon could uh, could definitely he would do it, do it. So, um, I I will say I didn't cast uh, Pearl or uh, Lo- Larry Lobster like you guys, but I do have a my leg guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought about doing that. <laughs> Joe Latrulio. <laughs> yeah, like can you see it? Yeah, he plays a great like. Pussy and he type just kind of, of yeah. and he just kind of seems like if you just look at him, you're like. Oh, it's just, it's a guy. Yeah. Like, oh, he doesn't have guy. a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the My Leg guy. Yeah, and I feel like he would be the perfect guy who's just like, he's just like one of the fish. Yeah, he uh, like snaps a leg in every episode. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that's, <laughs> I think, that's good. I, that's good. I like him. Um, so He's awesome in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, Pearl, uh, I think I got a really good one. It's, first of all, the, there. I think that there has to be a pretty big size difference between her and Mr. Krabs. Um uh, my guy uh, Adomian is pretty short, so it works out. Um, I think Ad Bryant would be great. Oh yeah, because okay. another SNL. Alum. And her her demo reel for this is her character. She does on SNL. It's like a really horny thirteen year old girl yes! at a slumber yeah. party. Oh yeah, that's, that's very Pearl. That's Pearl. Pearl is really horny. <laughs> she hits on the the host who always plays the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's and she. Oh my god, I just watched it the just other day. Trying to fuck Martin Short. I, yeah, she's so. <laughs> I had. Yeah. I have her line read stuck in my head where she's she's like, "No, my mom's a bitch." <laughs> like it's it's a great sketch. Um, but yeah, I think she would nail it. I chose someone who I think would not only be that kind of you know oversized teenager or whatever, um, but would also work well with the Mr. Krabs character who yeah, I yeah. picked, Chevy Chase. I have Darcy Carden. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Janet yeah, yeah, from yeah. The Good Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she'd be great. Yeah. Just put her in anything, honestly. Yeah, she's, really. she's amazing. She's, she's good in everything. She's so funny, and I think she would bring a lot of uh, humor and heart to that character. That's true. 
Yeah, we could get you know it's 2018. We could have like a real a pearl episode. Yeah, where she's yeah she's just like really genuinely struggling through puberty. Yeah, I mean obviously uh, Darcy Carden is way too old to play a a young girl. Yeah, but, yeah. You know it could be like Take an her older acting ability now and then put it like in no. A I mean it could be like an her. older like in like a twenty something pearl. I think a flash forward episode. Pearl just comes home from Bikini college. Bottom yeah, is in man. ruins. Exactly. Pearl's yeah. still just there struggling through her adolescence. Yeah. So you didn't you didn't cast a pearl? I did not cast a pearl. I uh, thought about a couple on the spot. people, but um honestly I really like AD Bryant. Like yeah. she just kinda looks like she could uh fill that pearl role really mm. well. Um okay, so last... Larry the Lobster. Oh yeah, Larry, uh you know, the requirements are few. <laughs> be buff and then be also super friendly. I went with the rock. Oh, that's great! I actually, I, I, you know what? That was whenever I just described those things. I was thinking of the rock. Yeah, and that's he, great. And he will be the rock lobster. The rock lobster, yeah. yeah. The re- like the red lobster, but or just the song rock oh, lobster. Okay. Oh, B fifty twos. Sorry, B fifty twos. It's like, <laughs> I, like one time you tweeted like bands that you want to get into. But oh yeah, yeah. The B fifty twos is that for me? Good. That that goes on my list too. Yeah. I don't know if anyone is. I, I guess people are, but it's hey, just dude, like, love that, shack. Yeah, but it's just like, I want to tell you a story about a fun little place where the girls are cute and the guys get laid. And then the surf guitar comes in and then Larry Larry comes in carrying a hot fish on his... Uh, comes in carrying Joe LaTruly. Yeah, yeah some sexy little minx of a sardine. So I had, I had fun with my casting for Larry the Lobster. Who'd you go with? Chris Pine. <laughs> okay. Just right. just get him in one scene with one yeah, line. He gains like 20 pounds. Yeah. 20 <laughs> pounds of muscle. One, one little line, Pine. and then you don't see him again for like four more episodes. Yeah. Chris Evans would be good, too. Yeah. yeah. I Chris, I, I was, wherever you said Pine, I was thinking of Evans. Yeah, or Hemsworth, really. Yeah. Hemsworth just with put like, any Chris Hemsworth with uh, zinc on his you nose. Take just bad times. In. Bad times at the El Royale <laughs> version of Chris. Uh, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. shirtless. Just just put in the different Chris every week. Yeah. With this role, the main <laughs> thing, the thing. It's got to be a Chris. The main thing I honestly thought about was how does this guy look with zinc on his nose? Yeah. Like they have to like, be good with like a sunscreen nose, and uh, Chris Hemsworth would. I mean, he would still be hot as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, or Pine, or Evans, yeah. or Rock. Or Chris not, Rock. Not The Rock, but Chris Rock. Chris <laughs> Chris The Rock. Whoa, I'm a lobster. <laughs> All right. To to round it out, Mrs. Puff. I, I so Mrs. Puff is very uh underplayed. She does have rage sometimes. She gets really mad at SpongeBob, yeah. but a lot of the time she's just like, Oh, barnacles. Yeah. Why SpongeBob? Here's mine. You you're gonna laugh. <laughs> and Dowd. That's perfect. That is really she, good. Uh, she has a, is... she kind of has a similar look of just kind of like a puffy head area, yeah. like kind of like a big head. Um, and I just can see her just having that like, like just like yeah. taking deep breaths and the trying only, not to freak out. The only thing I'd I'd kind of push back on that is that it. it I would be very unsettled by yeah. seeing her. <laughs> you would immediately I mean, know something is wrong. Have fun watching SpongeBob, and then it's like, wait a second, what the fuck yeah. is going on with Mrs. Puff? <laughs> is is she gonna like orchestrate a fucking cult to murder me? She's like, yeah, SpongeBob, hail payment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to Kevin. see. Her. I would love to see her do something a little comedic. Yeah, in a comedy, there has to be a dramatic actor who's anchoring everything. Well, that's 
kind of what I was thinking with my Mrs. Puff, which is Kathy Bates. Yes, okay. I thought about her too. Yeah, yeah. that. But the, that's funny because I didn't pick her because I thought she would be too unsettling. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about misery. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, they would both be really good. I think. You, um, you got one on the spot. Um. I do like Ann Dowd a lot. Yeah, I actually true. think D.R.C. Cardin could be a good Mrs. Puff. Yeah. <laughs> I could yeah. definitely see her just being like then, somebody yeah. who's, because she's very good at um, playing like she's being professional, but it's almost like there is something brewing under the skin. And I could see her just like blowing up and getting angry, but also still just like, all right. Yeah. yeah. All right, SpongeBob. We could, she wouldn't be as distracting. Yeah. yeah. And we could rewrite her as like, she's kind of like fresh out of college for teaching. And she's like, just like, I don't know what to do with this fucking idiot. Like, you know, I <laughs> and think she definitely be... has to wear a fat suit that just blows up at random time. <laughs> Why, SpongeBob? Why? <laughs> okay. Lightning round. Uh, Kevin the Cucumber. Mm. Remember um, the guy with Kevin? that has the sardine followers? Yeah, who do, who's an actor you just see him and you're like, ugh, <laughs> fuck. That. I kind of wanted to put Samberg somewhere in this uh, in this cast. That that could work because Samberg. It's like in the in like We Light Sports where it's like they point to him and it's like Steve is a cunt, <laughs> and he, it's just him smirking. That could be Kevin. Yeah, I'd say like Dana Carvey. Yeah, I just you know who it is uh, a guy who we notably did not mention for our SNL list, uh, Chris Kattan. Oh, he's a guy yeah. you look at his face and you're like get away from me like, yeah, get, don't get out of my him. yeah get out of my face chris Catan. look at his face uh oh <laughs> yeah live reaction yeah it's the dude from night at the rocks baby. yeah just because oh, kevin and because it would be funny because the whole joke with kevin is everyone's obsessed with him even though he's like this ugly ass pickle um, I think that I mean, would he's work. He's a cucumber. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> just imagining Chris Kattan like surrounded by groupies, and he's like, "Yeah, that's right, bitch." Like, <laughs> I would love that. What about uh, King Neptune? That's from the movie. Oh, that's good. Um, King, because he's buff, but he's old. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Bridges. That that yeah. would work. He's imposing, but he's insecure about his hair. <laughs> what oh, about yeah. just just? Cast Jeffrey Tambor. Just cast the voice oh, actor as him. He's, he's got the voice. Oh wait, he he does the voice. Really? Yeah, he was the voice oh, of him in okay. the in the movie. Nice. I believe so. Unless I'm what totally about wrong, uh, but... Plankton's computer wife? Yeah, Sharon uh, Scarlett Johansson. Don't. Okay. Yeah, of course, <laughs> her. <laughs> I'd go with someone like uh, I don't know. I kind of wanted to say like Leslie Jones, but. My SNL. Well, the thing is, brain is so on. a lot of the humor with Pearl is just it, the fact that it's never mentioned that she's a whale and he is a crab. So she could be Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> if we oh, had Leslie Jones. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. and they never mention it, but it's just like, huh? Okay. Huh. Uh, 2018. Uh, okay. The Flying Dutchman. The Flying. Oh. You gotta have somebody who's super, super over the top. Yeah, and he's parody. another guy that just mostly is pissed off at SpongeBob and Patrick. And he's, but he is evil also. So kind of like a plankton. We take type Dustin almost. Hoffman's character from Hook, mm-hmm. and just plug him in there. <laughs> yeah, I'd go with someone more like. I, I'm gonna go with Matt Damon. Just, just plug him in. Hey, just plug him in. <laughs> King Nept- Neptune. He could uh, be a good Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. I think that would work. I'm still laughing at Ed Norton as Squidward. <laughs> that was, yeah. I think that was my best him, pick of him the just whole being bunch. being like full method. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just really so... just trying to be a musician. He would have yeah. surgery to make his nose. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> like so long. Yeah. And he would give, who would be a Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy? Um, Mermaid Man is like Adam West before he died. Well, I was I was actually thinking um, um, Keaton. 
Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And yeah. then Barnacle Boy is like it has to be someone in like his Well, Mermaid Man is like old as fuck. Yeah. Bro. But you could I mean him he, could do Michael a, Keaton's a younger. like he's pretty old. Like yeah. he's like 60. And then Barnacle Boy has to be like in his 50s or 40s and Chris O'Dowd. And yeah, that could work. <laughs> okay. like, but he's like he's skinny and gross looking and cranky. Yeah, and he's yeah. just always like Yeah. So I'm going to go with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> okay. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, but he has to lose 60 pounds. So he's really <laughs> tall and really skinny. And Vince Vaughn nowadays is very angry. Yeah. Like he's an asshole and no one it's likes true. him. Just put Tim Allen in that role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Barnacle <laughs> Boy is just always like, actually conservatives are like Jews <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood. Jeez. Gotta love us some Barnacle right. Boy. I think we got all of them. I That's think we everyone. Uh, so... Good job, guys. That was that was good. That was good. I it's think. Uh, are we gonna recast Ness next? Um, good question. I don't know. What's some good things to? Does it have to be a TV show? We did a movie it. last time. Yeah, well, it's fun to do a cartoon because you have so much room to think. You know, there's a lot of creativity involved. Um, Let's uh, recast the Amazing Spider-Man animated TV series. No, no. I was thinking maybe BoJack, but that's no. It's too new. Too, yeah. See, that's the thing is you have to do something that's kind of older now. Yeah. All right, well, email us at We Bought a Mic with any ideas as to what we should recast next. Yeah. Something uh, with a big ensemble cast. Mm. Yeah, what are the big childhood shows? Well, SpongeBob is the one, first yeah. of all. Let's, let's, <laughs> Fairly Odd Parents, Rocket Power, Drake Bell as Timmy Turner. Yeah. <laughs> inspired choice. That's those the... sucked. Those, those <laughs> live action. Oh. Oh, they did do that. Yeah, yep, that's oh, a thing. No. That, yeah. that shit was bad. I wanted to forget that. We could recast Jimmy Neutron. Well, the thing yeah, with that is New- Jimmy Neutron would. Yeah, be but the thing with that is it's like kids. It's yeah. all kids. Yeah. Um, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll let you know, and you know it's everyone's favorite thing, so everyone's gonna be wondering, and we'll uh we'll let you know. Yeah. I'm on Twitter, uh, Drew D I E T Z E N like a cola. Um, what's up with where Hunter? I want to. What's your phone number? Um, I want to text my you. My address is bleep. Um, so you can That's follow me. That's a long address. Yeah, so long. <laughs> yeah, I, there is an apartment number in there and everything. Um, so I am on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. Um, you can view uh, more of my full review and my full thoughts on mid-90s that I want to get into yet today. Spoiler review? Um, it's not a spoiler review. I try not to do spoiler reviews on Letterboxd. Okay. Uh, if anything, then I'll do a non-spoiler review and then I go back and do a spoiler review. Um, but yeah, uh, you can check me out on there. I've been uh, watching some more spooky films that haven't had time to bring up on the podcast, so I will. Uh, you can check them out on there. What my thoughts are: mm. Halloween, um, Exorcist. Yeah, some. I mean, Charlie Brown's. It's great pumpkin. Oh, that is, that is spooky. I this yeah. is out of place, but I just thought of a really funny Squidward, um, Jesse Plemons. That's because he's a good one because he brings yeah. an energy of like I'm plotting to axe yeah. murder you. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't like that. I'm gonna kill your. Whole That's family. the same feeling of Ann Dowd. I'm like I don't trust him at yeah. all. Yeah, so anything it's not he's a fun time. He'd be a good plankton too. Yeah. Where he's just like I am gonna. Watch, I'm gonna shoot up the crusty crab. Watch game night this week. Um, okay, I'm at Calernist, and you can find us on Twitter at We Bought a Mike, and let us know what you thought of our segments and suggest some more segments for us to do next time we don't have a movie to talk about yeah. next week we're talking probably suspiria 
Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. Yep. And rate and review us on iTunes five stars. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.